pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Week 15 is a wrap in black and gold land, and we are inside black and gold. Steve Keller along with Jeff Nowak, a winning post-game podcast. Saints taking down the New York Giants 24-6, ending New York's three-game win streak. The Saints have now won two in a row, and hey, hey, Jeff, we are at 507-7. and Two in a row. Take it. And, you know, this game kind of went the way I thought it would go, believe it or not, because I, I said, like, all day, like, this is a bad Giants team. I'm going to play some audio in a second to prove that to you. But, yeah, so we're going to get into it. It's going to be kind of our normal post-game pod, except I want to talk kind of more about, like, the big picture stuff. This first segment, second segment, we'll get into what did work, what didn't work. I want to talk more about Derek Carr in this first segment, though, because, you know, there's a lot to talk about with Derek Carr, and let's let's do it. And then the final segment's going to be a mailbag. So if you have questions comments whatever throw them in there i i like to think that it's not going to be exclusively bench Derek Carr, fire everybody but you know i i've learned not to get my hopes up uh for that sort of thing so i'm we'll expecting see. a lot of they beat a bad team relax yeah sure sure except like it's not a given that you beat the bad teams just ask the falcons hey <laughs> <laughs> All I heard was like, ah, oh, they beat the they beat the Panthers, but everyone can beat the Panthers. Well, apparently not. Because the Falcons, I mean, it's like, how do you get your head coach fired, right? Like, I'm sure there's there's a decent number of Saints fans that wish they had done what the Falcons did. Cause I think when you're in the position that Arthur Smith is in and then you lose nine to seven to a one in twelve football team. Yeah. I mean, you look at what happened with Brandon Staley, right? With the with the Chargers. I mean, you you what was it, sixty-three to 14 or something like that. Like that's how you get a coach fired. And the funny thing is the saints have had that opportunity. They had a chance. <laughs> they, they, they had it right in front of them. They were down 21, nothing in the first quarter to the, to the lions. That is the perfect setup for we're losing 63 to 14 and get in, and our, and our head coach is fired. Right. But right. they chose not to do that. And I think that's kind of telling. Um, but so to, to kind of give you some insight, if you didn't listen to first take this morning, uh, this is kind of the exasperated take I had. As someone who knows the Giants well, about what I needed the Saints to 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 to, to, to do. Now we're on the bet three sixty five first take, and Jeff, we're doing it, man. Three consecutive home games after that seemed like a drought of being here. Now it's like, man, oh man, when, when are we going to play on the road again? Yeah, well, there's only <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that coming in. There's only two home games left, including this one. Pretty like, wild, this season, right? as as frustrating as 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 it has been at points, it flew by. I mean, this is the home stretch. This is the you do it or you don't. <laughs> the nitty gritty part of the year, right. right? And you got the Giants coming in. You got the the Tommy Cutlet story, right? You got the thirty second ranked passing offense in the <laughs> NFL. Like I don't care how excited everyone is about Tommy DeVito. This is the number thirty two passing offense in the NFL. This is not an offense <laughs> that you should be scared of in any way. 
This is an offense you should dominate. It's an offense that a lot of teams have dominated. The Saints need to win this game. What is scary, though? <laughs> Darren Waller is back. Ah, give me that. He's, <laughs> Darren Waller is a shell of Darren Waller. If you're using Darren Waller as the reason the Saints should be qu- shaking in their boots about this. No, this is a bad team. Go beat a bad team. I just think this is a game that, you know, if the Saints want to be taken seriously over the final month of the season, they, at- they can't make this into a barn burner. I agree with me. Like, that's what this game was, right? This this was a team that wants to believe that it's a good contending football team. Maybe not the Super Bowl favorite, but a team that should feel like it's a playoff team going up against a bad team that has beaten a couple bad teams and one decent team. (laughs) That's also probably kind of bad at the end of the day in the Packers, right? And that's what it looked like today. That's what it was, right? That's Tommy DeVito was in over his head. The Giants offensive line couldn't block, right? They didn't have the playmakers. Even Saquon Barkley, I, he did nothing. No. Um, and so, like, the Saints, no, they're not perfect, but they did what I needed them to do today to give me some semblance of confidence that they might be able to pull this thing off, Right? And the fact of the matter is you still control your own destiny with three games left in the season. All you have to do is go out and win them. And I don't know what you look for as a football fan, but that to me, that's exciting to me. That's something that you should be excited about. And I think the fans in the stadium, right? I think the fans in the stadium today, they were in, it was, it was sketchy at first. They had that first three and out. There was some booze. There was some booze. I heard them. But, uh, you know, they got on board quick. And there was a lot of Giants fans in that building. There was a lot of blue, but you didn't hear from them at all. (laughs) And I don't know why. I guess maybe that blue not sticking out as much as when when Detroit visited. That was really uh, eye-popping, I guess, when you watch the stands. To me, it wasn't like I I noticed a a slew of Giants fans. I I were aware they were here, though. Well, I noticed them more prior to the game. Because they were there early, right? Sure, um, yeah. But I think if things went a certain way, you would have noticed the Giants fans because they would have been loud. But because they just you kind of took their soul away. I mean, yeah. they scored six points and they were, you could argue that, you know, the first one was, it was gifted to them, that first drive on, a, on an actual penalty on JT right. Gray kind of running into Jamie Gillen, which I've never understood. It's like, so if you get a block, you can do whatever you you want you could murder the guy it's not a penalty but if you right. miss which is like he was an inch away from getting the block but if you miss it's a penalty so it's like yeah it's such a weird kind of risk reward thing of trying to block a punt um but like that was the right call and so they end up getting three points on that then they end up getting another three points on one of the worst calls i've ever seen you're going to have that hit on like teach tape in the, in a couple months. Like they're going to be like, this is how you should tackle people. Don't worry. They flagged it, but it's not wrong. Anyway, uh, he got called, he got a flag for tackling. And you know, that was the other drive that ended in points that Jamie Gillen, the punter <laughs> made a field goal. Yeah. That, that was effectively a shutout when you really think about it. Like the saints defense basically shut out the giants in that game. And thankfully the loudest booing on the game was for the refs in that. Because of that yeah. call. And who, 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 I feel like I hear someone else got involved in that and just. Oh, yeah. The press box, you could hear booze raining down from the Cajun Cannon. He was definitely not pleased. He thought the fix was in. Oh, you're just trying to help New York out. It's the New York market. 
<laughs> Conspiracies. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that was terrible. And in a close uh, game, man, that's bad. There, there, there's nothing on replay to look at that. I just find that bizarre, too. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's just like these calls aren't that difficult. So, you know, it's funny because we're going to – yeah, I guess we could talk about that here. But, like, they go – like, they, that call was made because of the sound, right? Yeah. Like, when that call gets made, it's because he got hit hard and you heard a pop. And so they're going to assume it's helmet to helmet. And he went in trying to get a hit. But it's like you can't call stuff based on a sound. Because if you watched it, if you saw it, there's no way you thought that was an illegal hit. It's just like it. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Like, I guess it's like because he went for a hit at all instead of just kind of wrapping him up, knowing that he had twenty yards to go. I think that's what it ended up being. Right? Is like Alante went to give give him a big hit rather than just being like, man, you know. <laughs> I did a hand motion. If you're listening to this on the podcast version, there was a hand motion there. I kind of like a like a like a pouring a pitcher, kind of placing him on the ground. But it is funny because throughout the game, there were several moments. There was se- like you sacked the quarterback seven times, didn't get called for roughing. That was one of my huge highlights. I was like, wow, this team is so good at not getting to the quarterback, taking him down, and not getting flagged for it. Though I was like, I was that was hella impressive this game for sure. Well, I mean, and it, you go back and watch those sacks, and it's not by accident, like. <laughs> There was yeah. multiple times where they had them and they were ready to kind of throw them down, but then they kind of just rolled off like they were released. And it's like, that's a good, that's just coaching. That's, that's good tech. That's good technique in modern NFL where they will call you if you do anything. And honestly, like that's pretty impressive. I agree with you that they were able to avoid any penalties. The only penalty they got called for an unnecessary roughness was a terrible one. And it had nothing to do with the quarterback. Exactly. Um, but, uh- but yeah, that 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 was definitely good to to, to see the sack brigade back. Uh, let's hope this is a trend that continues. Agreed. You know, and uh, so I I thought the atmosphere was pretty cool. It was nice because I haven't seen that in the Superdome in a while, um, and that includes like last year, right? Like it's just it's been a while since the Saints put on a show in the Superdome for the fans, where it wasn't like the entire game you were just a giant ball of stress. You were just you know, having a good time. And obviously it was seven to six at halftime, but it didn't feel like that. And it did like in in that first drive of the third quarter to come out and for the long drive for a touchdown. And then it was like, you know, you have the field goal and it kind of felt like 11 points. Uh, If it wasn't for that other game that they had an 11 point lead, you'd been like, ah, they can't blow this. Um, But I I talked to Keith Kirkwood after the game and uh, I thought what he had to say was interesting because, because Keith, you know, people kind of forget probably that he's, he was here in 2018. Like he knows what the atmosphere is like when things are rocking in the dome, right? Like he was here for, he caught a touchdown in a playoff game. That was the last touchdown he caught was, was in was 2018. That was a perfect segue into it, right? That was the last freaking yeah. time he caught a touchdown. 2019 in the playoffs, technically, because it was yeah. the Eagle game against the Eagles. He caught a touchdown. I think he got hurt in that game. Cause I don't think he played. Um, and the, the rest of the, I think it was the uh, Vikings. So that was oh that was the NFC Championship year, because uh, that was 2018. But uh, this is what um, oh you know what none of my clips uploaded, so I'm just gonna do this again in real time. Just bear with me here. But yeah, so I I, I talked to Keith Kirkwood in the locker room. You know if you if if you've never gotten a chance to sit down and talk to Keith Kirkwood, like 
he is one of the easiest guys to root for. He's so positive all the time. Um, and so like, that's why I'm a Kirk, Keith Kirkwood fan because I've gotten the chance to just kind of sit, sit and talk to the guy. Um, and uh, this is what he had to say. I think everybody on this offense is starting to just believe. Just believe in one another and playing for one another. And, you know, we just quiet, continue to quiet the outside noise because at the end of the day, it's just all of us in this locker room. And it ultimately shows. Derek, second to the what you make of the game today? Oh, with Derek? Yeah. You know what I love about Derek? He quiets the noise. He doesn't He doesn't care about what the outside thinks. He only cares about what the guys in the locker room feel. And every single day he shows up to work, and you see what it did, well, you see the outcome today. I mean, if you start to let that uh, dictate your, your gameplay, then ultimately bad things will happen, right? But at the end of the day, he com- comes in and works every single day. He puts in the work, and he displays it on Sunday. I don't know, kind of mentioned, touch on the touch up, but when, like, did it feel that long to you since you, like, or do you, is that something you just kind of get used to? Like, did, like It's just every day. I just felt like I was just in practice. That's it. I just come every single day willing to work and just do my job and execute and it all turned out to be for the better sure did it sure did the atmosphere the crowd just constantly every single time we were in the red zone being able to score put points up it's just unbelievable feeling the energy the intensity everybody in the locker room i mean on the sideline just it was just unbelievable feeling it definitely felt like 18 like i talked about before yeah i think when we talked earlier this season you said like this offense kind of has a swagger to it yes i think at points this year it was fair to say well where is yeah that? yeah um it's kind of feel like you're getting back to that a little bit yeah 100 i don't think anybody on this offense lost face in what we have going and what we have growing um yeah there was ups and downs and obviously we wanted to continue to climb on a hill um but at the end of the day we all stuck together and we still continue to do what we have to do and just execute and that's what happened today and that's why we were able to have so much success on offense as someone who's been watching this game this team all season yes to see jimmy graham get in the end zone mm. three weeks in a row mm. it kind of feels almost like a like a i don't know like a Yes. No, you know one thing about Jimmy. You know, I, I get, I, I get it. Right, he was inactive a couple weeks, but Jimmy came to work every single day and still put the work in, and it showed. And and he didn't let the negativity of people saying, "Oh, we need to put Jimmy Graham and change who he is." He's still Jimmy Graham. So at the end of the day, you throw him in the red zone, he's going to catch passes and score touchdowns. And we're starting to see that. We're trusting in him, and we're also just trusting in this offense. And great things are happening. So I'm excited. It's a short week, but we're going to come back on Thursday and do the same thing. Yes, sir. The, the 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 thing I was trying to go for there was like because we're better than you and we know it. <laughs> Globo Jim. I say I don't know if people get that reference. It's a dodgeball reference, but uh, but that's kind of like when Jimmy Graham catches a touchdown, you're just like, yeah, okay, we win. <laughs> we're gonna win. <laughs> that's that's it. Um, it's really odd. Just though, I mean. You don't want to live in the past kind of deal, but really, like what what the heck was what was the deal? Why wasn't Jimmy around uh for that stretch? Because man, oh man, uh he's have he's on a hell of a heater right now, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm gonna live in the now, Steve. I'm gonna live in the now. Um but <laughs> you know, so it's funny, one of our coworkers we were talking, like she puts prop bets in on Jimmy Graham. She has won. Like twenty three hundred dollars on prop bets on Jimmy Graham because the last two games she has bet uh, Jimmy Graham anytime touchdown and also Jimmy Graham last touchdown 
And so the Saints wow. not scoring another touchdown. So like she won like sixteen hundred dollars on prop bets because of Jimmy Grant touchdowns. Which man, why wasn't I doing that this whole time? And I know if I start now, he's not going to catch a touchdown the rest of the season because that's just how it works. And I don't want to do that to Saints fans. Um, but no, I just think the 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 atmosphere in the dome, the confidence level from everybody involved in this game. I think it showed. Like I think you saw it at every level. Um, and and we can pretend the Giants are terrible, right? Which which they are. They're not a good football team, but they were they're a league average team probably that was playing decent football. And at the end of the day, it's like their offense is kind of in shambles, particularly on the offensive line. That's a pretty good defense. Like that's not a defense that is going to roll over. But the Saints were able to out execute them today. And I think that's what stood out. Like they they didn't get any turnovers, right? The Saints didn't give the ball away. You didn't. You only allowed one sack, right? That pressure that we were talking about all week didn't get home. You know, you ran a, a lot of play action. You didn't get a lot over the top, but you were able to get a lot of good chunk plays. You got everyone involved. Ten players caught passes. And yeah, like, uh, you know, yeah, I just the, I think the old that, offense that's, was back. It felt like there with the, with everyone involved. Well, that's what the offense is supposed to like. That was the idea, right? That was, yeah. you were like, this is going to be an offense where you have all of these playmakers and you get them involved. And it was just, we haven't seen it. And I almost think not having Chris Olave in this game, not going to say it was helpful, but it did. And this Derek Carr said this, it kind of forced them to work the ball around and, and, and kind of find ways to generate off of the other guys. And, you know, whether it's Keith Kirkwood, A.T. Perry, Lynn Bowden, you had five different guys have 30 plus passing yards Keith obviously didn't have 30 plus passing yards but five different players in the Saints offense had over 30 yards receiving um and yeah and I mean uh I do think it's interesting you know Chris Olave was a game time decision it, it always kind of felt like uh you know it's gonna it's it's like you play on Thursday right it's like if you're gonna have a guy gut through something are you better off having a 60 percent Chris Olave twice or a 85% Chris Olave once in a game that you probably need the offense to win. And uh, DA basically said that, and this is a, uh, I asked him about that after the game. My, my plan was see where he was at this morning. Um, if he felt good enough, I was going to get him out on the field and work him out. Um, and I think, you know, as we, as he got here this morning, um, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he felt like he was going to be able to go out and, do the things that he needed to, to do to be effective. And, you know, particularly with us playing a Thursday night game, you know, trying to get him healthy and getting back, you know, in, in for that game, I thought kind of went into that decision a little bit. And so I think that's where you are, right? Like you knew that you probably could get it done today without him. It wasn't worth forcing it just to have a decoy out on the field. And hopefully you can get a, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent, but something close to that, on Thursday in a game where the Rams are a team that you're going to have to keep pace with. They're going to score. You're not going to have this type of, you know, the last two weeks you've haven't scored a lot of touchdown. I don't think that's going to be the case on Thursday. You're going to have to score and you're going to have to keep up with this team. And having Chris is a lot more important for that game, in my opinion. So I think they, they handled this well. They kept the illusion alive as long as possible. Uh, and they didn't make a bad decision in the end of the day. No, Stafford and the Rams offense is going to be a lot scarier for sure. Obviously, uh, the more accomplished quarterback and the way that that offense has been humming of late with the run game and, you know, Cup is healthy. You got Puka Nakua over there. So they they got a nice little set of weapons to deal with. And 
I don't know. It's like you feel like this Rams franchise is just a ingrained rivalry forever and ever because of the Nola no call, like it or not. Yeah, see, I don't I disagree. I, I just I, I see Sean McVay and I get aggravated. See, I, I don't know. I don't I don't because it wasn't them. <laughs> right? Like I think there's a much more I don't know, kind of personal rivalry with Minnesota. Like if you're looking Oh, for sure. A playoff rivalry because the Rams didn't. It's not the Rams' fault. Like they, they were just the beneficiary of one of the worst no calls of all time. But it's not like they they did anything that was like, you know, he just he he fouled intentionally, right? Like they that's just a play. It's supposed to be called, right? So it's like I don't know. Like I don't. I like that. I thought that would be the case when they went out to LA in 2019, but I didn't get. I didn't feel it. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see that as being a rivalry. Uh, whereas like the 49ers, yes, I, I get that. I feel like the 49ers, even though it was not a playoff game and you, but you just had those in-season games where like, uh, I think Raheem Moster did, did like the whole like voodoo thing or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like it's a big game, but I just don't, I don't feel, I, I don't feel that there's a rivalry there personally. I could be wrong. Maybe people. I, I have extreme dislike for McVeigh. I won't say I hate the guy, but um, yeah. Somebody put. Oh, there we go. Rose City put up there has a punchable face. Totally agree. He's one of those people. And I know there's someone in the Saints media core that you know has that punchable face. McVeigh's like that dude for me too. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna start guessing. Oh man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I had a confidence, Steve. I didn't say anything. <sighs> We're just okay. talking about punchable faces. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, and I know people are going to be like, don't celebrate a 7-7 seven and seven season. Like, I know someone said that. But, like. It's, it feels a lot better than 6-8. and eight. I mean, it's, I, I predict, my prediction at the beginning of the season was 10-7. and seven. So, like, seven losses to me is like, yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't know, I didn't think it was going to be this way. Right. But like, if you can win these final three games and get to 10 and seven to me, that's like, well, well, personally, that was what I was expecting. So I don't, I don't know. It's like, at what point is it just a season of football where you kind of rode the roller coaster and are you going to finish on a high? Because in that case, fine. I mean, you just had your best offensive performance in terms of efficiency of the season. Like, if if every game had looked like this, you would been like, this is this is a fantastic success story, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> like I get that it hasn't, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at this and be negative about it, just because like it's it, people want that to be true. There, I don't know. There are small things you can nitpick. Are we gonna be doing? Uh, where are we going with this? Or like. What we didn't like, that what we did like, you know, I don't know if like the next, like the next segment, should I save something kind of thing? We can do whatever you want, Steve. But <laughs> I was um, just thinking like, if you're going to nitpick, obviously to me, the one negative in the game for me was the lack of a run game still. <laughs> Give or take. Well, let's, let's talk about it. We've been on here for 20 minutes already. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's close out this segment and we'll come back and we'll do the, what, did slash what didn't work again we're gonna have a mailbag in the back end so if you have comments questions whatever uh throw them in there and we'll get to them this is inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak east steve geller the saints won hooray 24 to 6 
tied with the Bucks. Like we can we can be we can complain all we want. We're not this the Falcons. This team has outscored its opponents 50, 52, 52 to twelve. <laughs> no, that's two weeks. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. So we will get into it. Uh, this is Inside Black and Gold again. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Noah. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. Check out the latest news notes and analysis on WWL.com. We will be right back. On Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. In this segment, we're going to get into the what did and what did not work in this game. The what didn't work segment is going to be pretty short because I, I it gets a, a lot of nitpicking. It's mostly right. just this could have been perfect and instead it was just okay. Um, but the, let's start with what we didn't really get into in the last segment, at least in terms of the numbers in what did work because you can start calling him a Toyota Prius. Because Mr. Derek Carr was efficient. <laughs> he completed, what, 83% of his passes? I want to say it was 23 for 28, 218 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This team, you know, we talked about it to death after the Falcons game, 0 for 5 in the red zone. Well, you know what they've done since that point? They have scored touchdowns on nine of their 10 red zone trips. The only non-touchdown was the opening drive or their opening drive against the Panthers, which they settled for a chip shot field goal. It didn't go in. Um, but like, even that's not an unsuccessful, you're not going to score on a hundred percent of red zone trips, but 90% is pretty freaking good. And you know, one of the interesting things is, so they changed up their schedule prior to that lions game in terms of how they integrated the red zone work into their, practices and they've kept it that way they didn't switch back so they're still getting red zone work in on thursdays and whether it's jimmy graham whether it's running the ball um Jawan johnson even caught a touchdown that was from 23 so it wasn't red zone but it's right. like exactly i mean if, if the idea is you are in their scoring area and you're scoring a touchdown i've always thought like well why is there a difference when it's at the 20 like it, the idea is the same but regardless you know, I think there Carr got a lot of criticism about, you know, for me personally, my criticism was he's not getting the ball out quick enough. He's not being decisive enough. Um, the touchdown to Juwan Johnson, everyone says he doesn't go through his progressions, whatever. I think the issue isn't so much going through progressions. It is looking guys off, right? Like it's the illusion of going through a progression in the sense that you are start, starting over to the left even if your plan is to get back to the right and hit Juwan Johnson up the seam because you need to influence that safety. It's what he didn't do against the Falcons, and Jesse Bates took him to the house. But this time, if you go back and watch that Juwan Johnson touchdown, it's beautiful. It starts to the left, kind of gives you the shoulder fake, comes back, hits Juwan up the seam, got a double move. And it's like those are the types of throws, those are the types of plays where you're just like, this is why you're here. Like These are the plays that we expected you to make all along. You know, and, and that, that, that those are what's been missing is those those elevate the offense type plays. Right. You know, and the, even that third of Keith Kirkwood, like that was a third down. That was a big moment. Like they ran on first and second down. They made it manageable. And Derek Carr made a play on third down. The, Ju- the Jimmy Graham touchdown, like the, at that point, the Giants were just like, we don't have any answers. I'm sorry. They just <laughs> let him go. Like, hopefully they run it because we're all playing the run. <laughs> if they don't, whatever. Um, but I just think, you know. You can, if you're going to be critical of Derek Carr, fine, but you have to also give him credit when he plays at an elite level, which 
He did this week, no question about it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely the double-edged sword, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you'd have to give the man his flowers, whatever you want to say, when he has a good game. Obviously, you know, it's kind of funny that you get excited about a three-touchdown performance when, yeah, we, we have been really spoiled in the past uh, before by things. But yet, uh, Derek Carr's first three-touchdown performance as a Saint, hopefully it is not the last definitely like what we saw today uh, out of him, but it's still got to be done more on a consistent basis, obviously. And just, I I don't know. I I don't know what happened with this giants defense did not look impressive at all. I wasn't even really feeling like Carr was that impacted, which was impressive because the O line was, was hurt and you didn't even have Ram check in this matchup. That to me was another huge surprise in the game how the the O-line honestly held up without Ram in. Yeah, I was kind of stunned, honestly, <laughs> at, at how much time he did have. There, there was a couple, you know, there was one sack, but I wouldn't, I put that on right. Jamal Williams. He missed the block. Yes. Another uh, pressure, which I think it was Jawan maybe missed. Like the offensive line, I thought played ex- excellently. Andres Pete, I would say, was probably the weak link in the sense that he had a, couple penalties and no i mean i talked to landon after the game he didn't even know he was going to start until saturday like that was a legitimate like they took that it wasn't like they decided early in the week that ryan wasn't going to go you know he didn't miss a couple practices so landon was able to get the reps in practice and that helped him a lot but you know the other the interesting thing with landon is he's been working on both sides of the line if you go back a couple weeks ago andres p had to come out of the game and he was the one who took over a left tackle and that's if you ask any offensive lineman they will tell you that that is not an easy thing to do to switch across the lines. And one thing that he told me is that James Hurst has been helping him in that regard because James Hurst is a guy who's constantly switching positions. So he's been able to give him kind of some, some tips and tails. This is country way of saying it of, uh, of how he's helped him out. Um, but Landon's a, Landon's a funny guy. He kind of reminds me of Zach Streif in that, like he's just kind of this late round pick who's just kind of been developing and kind of learning. He's very smart. He's, he, he's very, he 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 explains things very well. He clearly understands what he's what he has to be doing. He's kind of a goofball, and he's got that you know that crazy country accent. But you know, a Kentucky kid. But you know, he's just he he played really well today, and I was worried about it. That was one of my biggest concerns going in. Was are they going to tee off on Landon Young? Because if you remember, against I want to say it was the Falcons, Ryan Ramchek had to come off the game, come out of the game for a play, and Landon went in and immediately gave up a sack. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, it was ugly. Um, but no, he, he had a really nice day, and he's on my list too. Yeah, that was just uh, one of the things on the pregame and uh, the Bud Light countdown, the kickoff after first take. The Giants, you know, guest came on and basically said, ho, ho, no Ram check today. You guys are in for it kind of deal. And I was like, I'm I- definitely worried about it too, but it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, this guy's going to rub our face in an awesome kind of thing. And yeah, uh, outstanding, definitely a plus, super gold star for the O line today. It was Detino, right? Yes, exactly, Paul Detino. Just what he does. F A N. Yeah, he's a goof. He's been around forever. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, and and you know, this is like you go back last week, and you're like, wow, the offensive line is fighting with the quarterback. This is going to end badly. <laughs> well, you know, I think there there were the only fight that happened was between Derek Carr and. One of the Giants' assistant coaches, who apparently was calling Garrick a crybaby because he was mad about the intentional grounding, and and uh, he was like, he told him to stop complaining. And Derek was like, I don't even know who you are. Real, 
real Thanos energy going on. Um, uh, but no, I, I think like that was, I expected to be talking all day about, Oh, he's getting teed off on back there. You got free rusher after yeah. free rusher. You're just making guys. There was a couple free rushers. He got the ball out and there was, there was a few plays that kind of, kind of blown up, uh, part, mostly in the first half, but a lot of, you know, tip in most cases when the, when the saints went play action, he had all the time in the world. And the only, you know, one of the things that I'll complain about, and it's very nitpicky is I would like to see the saints be a little more effective down the field. Like you didn't really see that. The only time they went downfield was to Rashid and he kind of lost the ball in the lights which was a bummer because I thought he had a step. I thought he had a chance to make a play on Deontay Banks there at the goal line. It didn't matter. Like we talk about, like you, you mentioned, like, oh, we only threw three touchdown passes. Well, yeah. I mean, if they wanted to, they probably could have gone in and scored again. <laughs> they, they basically they basically just like sweated out the whole fourth quarter, right? Like they didn't, but there was no uh, urgency at all in terms of how the Saints operated in that fourth quarter. It was, we have a game to play on Thursday. Right. Let's get out of here with as little energy wasted as possible. Alvin talked about that. Alvin, after the okay. game, was like, was like, yeah, it was kind of nice. We were able to just kind of throttle down. You don't, you don't, you don't like take your foot completely off the gas, but it's like, you know, your defense is playing that well. And it's just like, yeah, the, 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 if you can save some tread, you do it. Uh, in that moment and the fact that they didn't have to make a 20 point comeback in this game like they weren't playing from behind all day in the sense of like okay best case scenario going into a Thursday night game I think you have it like the the commanders forced the Rams to play a little harder so not that it's you know it's like that they still won that game pretty easily Uh, but no I think the Saints are in good shape other than Lonnie Johnson got carted off late looks like I, I wouldn't expect I think he has a pretty significant knee injury but otherwise I think they got out of that game pretty clean yeah, and hopefully, you know, there wasn't really much usage of Taysom. Uh, hopefully, he can get a little bit healthier. I don't know if he's really at 100%, honestly. Definitely saw in this game, though, why he is not your every down quarterback, I think, on that the one throw. And then never, ever would they let him throw the football again in this game. <laughs> yeah, he's a, one of my stock downs. And it's a, again, it's a nitpicking thing. It's probably not fair. But it's uh, Taysom time. <laughs> it was disappointing today. And, uh, you know, it's it just didn't like it. I think it's like one of my critiques of it, of the Taysom Hill playbook, is that it's 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 more predictable than it's ever been. And it's always been predictable, but not to this extent, not to the point where it's like you're only, like there's you're never just running it as like a OK, we're getting a light look we're just going to run Taysom because it's the best option. And it's always like you're running into a stacked box and they did. That was, you know, it's funny. The play to the, the miss to Bowden, that play wasn't designed to go to Lynn Bowden. That was a shot play, but they took it away. Um, and we talked early in the week about how, you know, teams have been, you know, running to shell defenses and they're taking the deep ball away. And sometimes you just have to be patient. Like the best option isn't always to force the ball down the field even though you know you you every ounce of you wants to just like pull the trigger do it do it throw the ball and it's like damn but that guy's standing there asking you to throw the ball he's like please throw the ball and so sometimes you have to just take the check down and Lynn Bowden they completely forgot to cover him he's standing by himself on the sideline all you got to do is like what you've done thousands of times it's like you have the ball in your hand you need to find a way to get it from your hand into his hand I know it's not a complicated thing, but (laughs) sometimes it's just like, Oh my God. And 
He just was not able. He missed him by a lot. That wasn't even close. (laughs) And Lynn is not the most sure-handed individual either. So, like, even if you have to, you you make him stretch out and make a play on it. It's like maybe he brings it in, but he probably falls, or he's like he's not catching in stride. Like that was that was nowhere close. (laughs) If you're saying if you're saying stretch, you may you have to say stretch Armstrong here. You're gonna have to like plastic man by himself. It's just so funny to me that's like he, you're a you're a professional thrower of footballs, man. <laughs> that's kind of your thing. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the low moments in that game of like he's a returner, like he's a runner. You get him the ball in space there, he might score. <laughs> I mean, there, probably there not. It's like a sixty yard run, but it, it sure seemed like there was a whole lot of room ahead of him. <laughs> Well, right. Like he's getting 20, 30 yards easy. And I mean, he looks, right. Like he's a returner. Like that's his oh. thing. Like he can, he's good at that. You get him in space and let him run. Yeah. I, I can't remember if they punted. Um, but, you know, you know, one of the funny things is like Alvin, he was talking after the game and he said, you know, and this is something that worked in my opinion. Like he said that they stayed in front of the chains and, and they did to an extent, but I also think that one of the reasons this this game went as well as it did on offense was because you were able to convert behind the chains. That first drive of the third quarter, they were in second and 20. And they got a 19-yard completion to Rashid Shahid on second down, which was actually a 21-yard completion that the refs, the refs had a terrible day. One of my uh, stock downs is trust in the officiating because holy yeah. hell they nice. were awful and Carl Cheffers is typically one of the better officials right his crews are typically you know on the on the top end of that of that chart terrible anyway but you know they were really good like they converted that uh, on you know they ended up getting it on third down I believe and uh, actually so I think what happened is they got 19 yards and then they put Taysom in the game, which was another like this is not working kind of Taysom time moment. They got a false start, I think, because I think James Hurst false started because he was trying to send Alvin in motion or whatever. So he ended up in second and six or third and six, third and six. And then the Derek comes in and throws it to Juwan and then they get a penalty. So you get the first down that way. But you still converted after getting a second and 20. And that's something that, you know, when you can do that, like, like defenses, when they get second and 20, it's like, you got to get off the field. That's essentially a third and 10, right? Like if you get a third and 10 on defense, you you should get off the field. And then second and 20 is about the same because you're talking about yards per play in like eight to nine. And so if you can keep them in that range, he also had a third and 17 that they can, that they converted to AT Perry. And so like, those are backbreakers to defenses. And it's just something I don't think you saw earlier in the year. And just the ability to kind of just make big plays when you need them. Um, and so to me, that was a big part of the day. No, I'll definitely take the, the, the plays you're talking about. We'll, we'll take them all now at the end of the season. Then, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, better late than never kind of deal at this point. I, I was just happy to see th- things went well for the team and the, uh, the attitude of the dome was a whole lot better. And I think we're seeing even like a Rich Vitell in our chat. I see pop up we're all the negative people it's amazing how something like this can be a little bit of a spark even for fans who've been so so down in the dumps and shoot the who that nation needs this right now for sure yeah you need games like this you need games that you win to just inspire confidence right and and i asked the a about that i was like is that kind of 
is like being in a rhythm, I think, for the defense. And he's like, yeah, confidence. When you're confident, you make plays, and then you make plays, and you're more confident, and it just keeps you build on that, right? Like when you're not confident out there, it shows. And I think particularly in the run game, and that's, you know, the defensive line in general, you can pretty much name whoever you want on the defensive line. They had a good day. They, they had a good day today. Tano Passigno. Yeah. I've always, I, I see a guy walking around the locker room. And if you just had to, if you didn't know anything and you just, and, and you just had all the defensive linemen line up and you were like, just ask somebody off the streets, like which one of these guys do you think is the, uh, like the perennial all pro. And I guarantee you like 10 out of 10 times would be like, it's that guy. Cause he is a behemoth, <laughs> right? Like he is terrifying. And uh, I, I asked Colin because Colin played with him in Kansas City. Colin knows him all. Colin's like they're like best friends. Uh, Tano is this really kind of unique individual, right? Like he's very he's quiet. He's very cerebral. Like he does graphic design. So so Colin makes music, and Tano Passenio designs his cover art and art like the art for his like singles and his album. Nice. So like that's it's just a unique, very individual. But he's also this hulking behemoth of a man, and. Colin was like, yeah, we know it's in there. Look at the guy. <laughs> He's terrifying. And, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you kind of like have been waiting. It's like, okay, give me some moments here. Give me some, 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 some flash. And like, he, he's lining up against Andrew Thomas and he was winning today. Um, and I just think like that offensive line or the defensive line, you know, they needed to stop the run better. They did that. They needed to rush the passer better. They did that. They needed to tackle the quarterback when they got opportunities. They did that. Zach Bond. He could have had three sacks today. He missed. <laughs> but he got there first multiple times, and he set up situations where Tano or somebody else could come in and clean it up. It was excellent. Everything about that was excellent. And and again, it's like we can say, okay, the Giants' offensive line sucks, and it does. Like they lead the NFL in sacks allowed. But go back to last <laughs> week and watch the Packers fail to get a sack for four quarters of football, right? Like that's why they lost the game. Cause they couldn't get pressure. Tommy DeVito ran all day and you got to give the saints credit. And, and I think you're seeing a group that's kind of figuring it out and you know, it helps when you go against the Panthers and the, and the giants, right? Like they're terrible, both teams in terms of protecting the passer. Um, But at, at a certain point, it's like, you just have a plan that works. And I think, one of the things that has really helped this group kind of coalesce over the last month is Cam Jordan accepting a role as a rundowns defensive end. Now, it's not it's not like you're just demoting him. Part of that is due to the fact that he's still kind of working back from a pretty significant ankle injury. But I think what that has allowed is Cam is fully engaged and rested for rundowns and he's able to do what he's always been one of his best skills in terms of playing the run right early downs. You're still able to get after the passer, but you have, you, there, there's certain responsibilities that you have to do on first and second down that are not the same as third and nine. And then you are able to bring Zach Bond on the field when you are able to stop the run and force third and seven, third and nine, third and 12. Then you get Zach Bond on the field and he is able to be that situational pass rusher. And I just think it works so much better. It's what I was asking for. You've heard me say this. Like, I think you need to pare down Cam's snaps because I don't think he's a three down defensive end anymore. And that's just what happens when you get into your mid thirties as a defensive end. Um, and I think like Cam's ability to play a hundred percent of the snaps was, was negatively impacting the overall, like the top line production of that unit.
But I think what you have right now is a very optimal setup. And the the important thing is Cam embracing that role because he's yeah. a leader in that role. And not everyone is the type of personality that would be like, you know what, I'm a run player right now. That's what we're going to do. So I think like to me, it's like I, got, I give Cam a lot of credit. I give everyone in that room a lot of credit because I think that, that it's, a, it's a group that has worked together um, and kind of found a way. Uh, and so hopefully that continues. Yeah, obviously, you, you know, that's just something with Cam. It's ingrained in him. Football is life. And there, he wouldn't come off the field if he was given the choice at all. Yeah, and I asked Cam uh, in the locker room last week. It was like, okay, how what has that been for you to kind of like embrace that role as kind of a mentor to Zach Bond? Because there was a clip on the mic'd up package where he's like kind of working with him on like like hand technique and shedding technique, and uh, he was just like, it's not a I don't have to embrace anything because it's just who I am. It's what I've always been, and he's right. Like that is he's not making anything up. Like, he genuinely is. He's been a leader in that room for a long time. Um, but it's it, I think there's also like just a level of unselfishness that that exists there that's worth mentioning and and again like he is still a very effective defensive end um and one thing that this like this defense had struggled in both of those areas stopping the run and rushing the passer and kind of accepting that you don't have to do both of those things has helped them so you know obviously going against the giants and panthers every week if you did that you would lead the nfl in sacks you might set a record but you got to start somewhere all I can say is we bitched about the red zone offense not connecting enough where that's starting to hit now. Now the this game, we sh- the stopping the run and the the fact that you you were able to pressure the quarterback as well and contain a guy too that was was mobile. Uh, that's happened. So more positives. And I know um I've seen people saying, you know, relax, guys. It's just seven and seven, or look at the team you were playing, kind of thing. I know it's just, it's it's all we can base anything off of is who they play. So it is what but it like, is. These are the teams that you have to beat, right? Right. Like you're not playing the 49ers, you're not playing the Cowboys, and I get it. Those are the teams that you're going to have to beat in the playoffs. But you don't worry about the teams you have to beat in the playoffs until you get to the playoffs. And right now. You just have to beat these middle-of-the-road teams. You might not be excited about 7-7, seven and seven, but you know the team that you have to go out and beat on Thursday? You know what their record is? 7-7. <laughs> seven <and> seven. <laughs> so it's like, are you better than that team? Because this is your chance to prove it, right? Are you better than the Panthers? Yes, and you proved it. Are you better than the Giants? Yes, and you proved it, right? Like, these are the games that when you're struggling, when you're not winning games, you're this is where you don't get it done. Well, what, um, what, what hurts, obviously, is that you like, well, what the hell happened with the Falcons game? You didn't score in the red zone. That's <laughs> right. what happened. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and like, you know, DA is kind of like, he had this really weird defense of Derek Carr today. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I guess I'll play it. Let's play it. Hit it. Um, and they understand what's at stake. Um and they had a good week of practice and went out and played well. And um, I thought some guys, you know, had to step up. Landon Young stepping up in place of Ryan Ramchak. I thought, you know, overall, I thought the protection was really good. Um, you know, um, I don't know if I'm getting qu- questions about the quarterback this week, but I thought the quarterback played really well. Um, so we'll make sure we get that on record. Um, it was, uh, you know, effective, you know, 
game all in all three phases. Well, look, I mean, um, probably statistically, I mean, you know, 218 yards probably is not, you know, nobody's, you know, jumping off, the, you know, off the table with 218 yards, but. Uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought the protection again was outstanding in the game. Uh, gave him some opportunities to get the ball down the field. Um, you know, a 134 quarterback rating. I mean, it, you know, I thought I thought he played well, and I thought the players around him played well. You brought up the quarterback. We didn't ask. Are you irritated by the amount of criticism that he gets? I just think it's unfair. My personal opinion, uh, but I know everybody's got the right to their own opinion. Um, but I thought he played really good in this game, and you know, I think just like with everything else, you know, I think when when you play that position, you're going to get your fair share of criticism. And you know, when somebody plays really good, I think we need to make sure we uh, recognize that that uh, he played well. Dennis, Dennis, we were going to ask you about the quarterback. Just want to make sure we put it out there that you recognize a good performance. I mean, like, you don't have to make this weird, right? Like, what did you think was going to happen? We were going to be like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, he's just, yeah, whatever. What are you talking about? Seven sacks, big defensive day. Don't be, don't make it weird, Dennis. And I'm saying Dennis like this for a reason. Like, You think we weren't going to ask about the quarterback? He didn't give anyone a chance. It was like the third question. Anyway, um, it's also, you know, it's not a good, like, like, I hate that answer. I hate, I hate that he said that because it's just frustrating because like, let the man fight his own battles, first of all. Second of all, you're not doing him any favors. You're just giving people ammunition to say like, well, he's treated differently than everybody else because you're going out here and just, unsolicited being like just so you know the quarterback played don't do that that's not helping anyone first of all because Derek did have a good day that was going to come up on its own you made it weird um and like his just the decisions he makes and the things he chooses to say constantly baffle me um and like it's it's a very personal thing and like if you wonder whether he 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 treats the Reception of Derek Carr is an extension of him as a coach. That's the answer because he clearly does. Because when he's saying it's unfair to Derek, he's really taking that on himself and saying like, like you're being unfair to everybody because you're being overly critical of the quarterback. You're a quarterback. You're going to get criticism, right? Now the booze probably a little much. And I think that's more so what that's about than criticism of the quarterback. But it just looks bad, and I don't like it. And that's – I'll leave it at that. We kind of came full circle here. But I just thought that answer was just – come on. I I much preferred hearing from Carr in the postgame and him being a lot looser, making jokes about things, and, yeah, just uh, being – definitely being more open and and better about it than D.A. was. Uh, Making even jokes about getting into fights – uh, with, like you said, with a coach instead of a teammate this time around. One of their coaches kept yelling at me, you know, uh, from their <laughs> sideline. I was like, I, I don't know who you are, bro. Like, why are you talking to me? You know, I got, I'm not going to lie, I got. So I did have one fight today. <laughs> but it wasn't with a teammate. So. Uh. Right. Like, that's the personality that you want to come across, not 
like this weird right, unsolicited about it like oh you made a big deal about the fight see it wasn't a big deal i can make a joke about it ha 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 right he's an adult he can fight his own battles right <laughs> now if we asked you whether you think the criticism is fair and you want to answer that's fine i don't know i just thought it was weird and i don't like that that's the the hill he chose to climb up on in this kind of game in this atmosphere it's like pick your battles man pick your battles um i, I definitely think it definitely hits a, with alan a lot more personal with car because obviously that's his dude clearly <laughs> it's exactly what it is um yeah but all right, let's let's wrap that up. I think we we went through a lot here. The one other thing I'll mention, AT Perry, I think he's building trust with Derek and I think there was a couple plays in this game that you saw that happen, you know, that third down conversion. There was another throw over the middle of the field that was a little behind him and he hauled it in. Like one thing that DA said is like, so Derek didn't play perfectly, but like when he needed someone to step up and make a play, they made a play. And that makes your your quarterback's going to look a lot better cuz it's not you're not going to see in the stat sheet. Well, that wasn't a perfect pass, but the receiver made a play on it. Yeah, you know, it's like that's but that's 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 what you want. Like that's what you need. And I thought AT Perry did a good job of doing that today. And you know, I think that weird play in Atlanta really damaged that kind of building trust. And I think you've seen over the last couple of games the big play downfield against the Panthers, you know, the the couple nice throws today. He went to him in the end zone, he forced the pass interference. Um, I just think like his his uh, AT Perry has been a guy that I've been very encouraged by over the last few weeks but that's it do you have anyone else you want to mention anything else before we move on yeah i was just trying to think of anything i think uh you know another uh, i guess a significant performance from howden had a decent game i thought and then also looking at even uh, uh yadam keeps adding to his passes defense um i'm not sure what the number is up to this year but I, you might have mentioned it last podcast or whatever somebody's gonna pay this dude and unfortunately i don't think it's gonna be the saints either Man, i could be able to afford him <laughs> right exactly, exactly. <laughs> no i mean the secondary you know like i kind of take the secondary for granted <laughs> uh, I shouldn't, but I do because they've just been so good so consistently. Um, but yeah, I I played well again. Paulson Paulson did the job yeah. right. Like they're just so consistent that you kind of forget about them. Um, yeah, Tyron Matthew, Jordan Howden both played well again. Lonnie Johnson left with that injury. Um, you know, Nephi Sewell was out there a cup for a couple snaps. He's the he's the same linebacker now, which is interesting uh, with Zach Bond in that pass. But yeah, a lot to like from this defense the last two weeks. It's funny because it's like this is the defense that you saw in the beginning of the year. Like that kind of like, well, they're dominating. And then we kind of like, we have it. So, if, you know, if you get this type of defense uh, the final three weeks, I think you'll be feeling a lot better about yourself. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back to a mailbag segment. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Thanks, everyone, who's hanging out. We will be right back. Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going into mailbag for a quick mailbag segment. One guy we have not talked about nearly enough uh, throughout that first what did work segment. I honestly feel bad because we should have. Like I, it's like it, 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 it was so just. Demario Davis completely changed that game in the first half. In terms of like, this is a guy who it's like every time I like. I, I in my brain like this idea creeps up that I was like oh he's in his mid 30s he's starting to fall off maybe he just doesn't have 
Maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he's finally reached that kind of cliff where you it could exist for everybody. But apparently not for DeMario because he came out his yet, game right. like the predator. You know, like just <laughs> like he was everywhere. You know, he would just be like climbing out of trees and just like, you know, <laughs> sniping you from across the map. Right. You know, just no scopes all day long. And he was on fire. He even gave you the Kamehameha, you know, the, the Dragon Ball Z thing. I love DeMario. I love watching DeMario play. And I'm going to miss him very much when he inevitably is retired, which I don't know when it's going to happen. It's like you would think you'd think you'd think it's like, wow, he's got to get getting close. But who knows? Maybe he'll play another five years. I don't know. Either way, he was dominant in this game. And I think like when you're talking about a defense, you know, defense is so much about belief and energy and confidence. And he just when he's playing that way, this team is different. It just is. Yeah, he definitely has looked, you know, pretty much, um, I don't know, he dealt with an injury early on, right, in the season. But yeah, it's a knee injury in Houston, and he played through it. <laughs> the doctors gave him a 0% chance to play the whole thing, you know. Um, but, but, yeah, but of so late, really, Mario has, has been a huge shining star of late, and I guess you do often take performances like this for granted, I guess, because like you said, it's like we didn't even freaking mention his name. Right, like your expectations for him are so high that it's like, it's like, yeah, he outperformed oh, yeah. by how much, right? Whereas, like, I had my expectations for Landon Young were like, oh no, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, so it's like that's kind of you know, when you're talking about st- my, my stock in Demario is already so high, like, if, like in that context. But either way, like he he had a, he had a monster game, so I, I'm glad I'm glad he was brought up in the comments here. One other weird thing that a bunch of people have been talking about, and I'm I'm very I'm going to ask DA about it, and uh, I think we have a Zoom call on Monday is uh, a lot of people have been saying that they saw Derek Carr talking to Ronald Curry and was Curry calling plays. Um, What I'll say here is I think people are overreacting to the idea that Derek Carr is talking to Ronald Curry. Ronald Curry is the quarterback's coach. (laughs) They talk a lot. (laughs) That's what he does. He coaches Derek Carr specifically. Um, like that's why like Doug Marone's talking to the offensive lineman, right? And and Todd Grantham's talking to the defensive lineman. Like that's what they do. That said, um, he did have a play sheet, which I don't know if he typically does have a play sheet in his hands. Um, which is interesting, and I, I think that's definitely a good observation because I wasn't paying attention to it in terms of like I was just you know I don't I don't like stare at the sideline. I watch the game. Uh, but I don't like look. It's like, oh, I wonder. Oh, he's talking a lot of that headset. I wonder what he's doing. Um, but you know, it's very, it's very possible that maybe they made a play caller change and and didn't tell anybody. I would be surprised, but I'm not going to rule it out. Like I had someone ask, he was like, "Did you see anyone else wandering around with play sheets?" And it was like, "No," but I also wasn't looking for it. Like right. that's just not something I'm clocking when I'm on the sideline. There's a lot going on, and so like I'm not going to pretend I have any insight into that situation because it's just not something that I was looking for. Um, uh, but it's something I'll ask DA about tomorrow. Cause I think it's interesting because that off the offense did seem to flow and you hit a couple <laughs> plays that it was like, Oh, you're running calling screens. Now you're running play action. Oh, you're motioning. What's going on? You know, why is this? What it is D is just Pete in his bag or maybe something changed. So I don't know. I just think there was a rhythm today and for whoever sure. called it doesn't matter. Like, I think the way the offense ran today was 
was effective, particularly in the second half. You know, like, and that's the only reason that I think it's hard to rule out Pete because this has been a team that has been slow starting, but then in the second halves of games has been really effective. Like, look at the, the you know, the, the, the Lions game, right? They scored long touchdown, they had long touchdown drives in their first two second half possessions, right? Like, you look at the Titans game, right? Like, they had three points in the first half. You look at the first Panthers game, they had six points in the first half. You look at the second Panthers game, they had seven points in the first half, I believe. Um, you know, and they, they kind of picked it up late. And so who knows, but I, I do think it's interesting and it's something I'll definitely look into. Um, but I, but I, but I do think it's like, I've had a mul- multiple people say, well, he was talking to Brown Curry. It's like, that's, that's not unusual in the slightest. <laughs> like that's literally what Ronald Curry is there to do to coach Derek Carr. It's um, and, and occasionally game Mr. Jake, but it's like, of all the of all the position coaches, Ronald only has one quarterback to coach at any given time. Like if you're Doug Marone and it's like, yeah, you have all of these offensive linemen that you have to kind of deal with individually and then as a collective, you know, like for, for, he's like it's one guy. So they're going to talk um, and he's giving them tips and he's like he is part of he's the pass game coordinator, too. So it's not like it's not like he has no involvement in the in the play calling like he's like if if he has an idea and he tells Pete and Pete's the one calling the plays, he's still going to take that. So I don't know. It's interesting, but I it is something that I would love to see, and I've asked for. So we'll see. Talking about a different quarterback, were you aware of anything with Jameis in his suitcase? Wait, what do you mean? Apparently, he carried in like an empty suitcase with him. And then, like, said, like, to, gave, like, some kind of speech saying, basically, what only only what's in here is what can stop us. And he opened it up, and it's like nothing, nothing was in there. There's nothing can stop us. You know, a typical Jameis thing. I didn't know if, like, you were, like, any kind of witness to this. All I've seen is a video of him walking in with the suitcase. In the locker room? No, like, walking in uh, on the field, I think, before the game. No, I don't, I don't know about this. Okay. Yeah, you have to like Google or but it Twitter does sound on brand. It does sound like a thing Jameis would do. I, I just thought it was kind of amusing, but yeah, he's like That's the uh, the eternal hype man. Yeah, he's a he is a hype man. I, I do. I, I love James. James. Yeah, you know, James and Lynn Bowden. You know, I think people underestimate how you know you talk about glue guys. Like, what does a glue guy mean? I, I take it to mean like guys who are just everywhere and they're involved in everything and they're like emotional leaders and they just like everyone, they, they hype everything up. Like they get it, they get involved in positive ways in like every facet of the game. And I think Lynn is that guy. Like, I think he's one of those guys, right? Like, you know, like, like CJ Gardner Johnson was kind of like the guy that just got you hyped up, right? Like those are important guys. And I think Lynn is that guy on offense. Like obviously Jameis is that too, but it's hard to be that when you're not playing. You know, like there's only so much you can do when you're not playing. And I just like there's a, like go go look at like any touchdown celebration photo, and I guarantee you, you know, you'll be looking and you're like, "There's Lynn. I found him. He's there. He's in the background. Oh, there he is again." Um, I just I just think it's funny because I really do enjoy Lynn. I, I asked Landon if that's just always been Lynn Bowden, and he said, "Yeah, that's because they played together at Kentucky." And so did he, Lonnie Johnson was the teammate of theirs too. I didn't realize that until today. Wow, that's an interesting. You know, trio right there. Yeah, a lot of Kentucky guys. Yeah, right. And then Wandale Robinson on the other side was a Kentucky guy. A lot of a lot of Wildcats. 
Dre Day says, why DA act like it's the team against the fan base? We want Carr to succeed. One question, what is DA's record as a head coach? That's bad. I mean, as a Saints head coach, so he was 7-10 and 10 last year, so that makes him 14 and 17. Is that right? Yeah, 14 and 17. Gotta give him, you got to give him the credit for the COVID one that he did for Sean or no? I guess we could. Yeah. Throw That's that fair. in there. Throw, throw him a bone, right? So he'd be 15 and 17 it's as the game. Saints head coach. Yeah. I don't think that <laughs> technically does count. <laughs> like, I think if, just in terms of like, and, and I mean that in the sense of like, like if you're looking at like the official head coaching record, record right, yeah. like what's in the NFL record book, I don't think it would count. But if you do count it, you'd be 15 and 17. And like to me, like that's the number that matters. Like I don't really care what happened with the Raiders. Everyone wants to bring it up because it's a sexy number, just like everyone wants to say 150 for Derek Carr. And it's like, that's really not the discussion that needs to be had. It's what's happening now. Um, and, you know, I, I just like... Yeah, even if you go 10 and 7, you're still 500 as the head coach of the Saints. But still, like, I just think the ability to get to the playoffs and have a positive season would be big. But I agree. Like, I don't like this. I, I don't, I don't like, that's why I brought up the 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 Derek Carr thing and, and, and this weird kind of like unprompted defense of the quarterback. It's like, it's, it's like, like, you want the fans on your side. You want, it's like the fans want to be happy. At least a majority of them. There are some fans out there who are being toxic and they're just rooting for everything to fail. And I don't know what you do with that, but like you can't approach that as like the dynamic that you're that you're trying to solve. Like you want the you want the atmosphere in the dome today to be the atmosphere in the dome all the time. Ideally with fewer Giants fans. Um, but I, I think like I agree. I think one one of my main criticisms for Dennis Allen is he just seems unprepared to put forward the correct message at the correct time. And there's a there's a there is a a art form to that, and not everyone has it. But I just thought that was a miss. Like the the tone he went with today was a miss. Uh, and so I think that's an interesting uh, comment. Number one car stand. And I'm me, the the number one Derek Carr stand. I got Derek for a walk off interview today. It's it's nice. That was a big time get. So you get from yeah, That's why I'm a car stand. That way, when I get him on the field, he'll talk to me. Next thing you know, it'll be like, it'll be like amazing. You'll be like getting Michael Thomas to speak out on, on the sidelines next. And it's the easiest type of stand to be because all I have to say is I don't think he's an axe murderer, and that makes me like <laughs> number one Derek Carr fan. Edward Onus driver. I think it's like a Onus bus driver, like a Garrett Nussmeyer fan account here. It says, be That's honest. Fine. Y'all thought we'd lose this game. And I did not. I had said, I told multiple people, you can ask. You can ask around. I've been like, I think the Saints are going to win this game by double digits because the Giants aren't a good football team. And the per- partially that was me projecting in terms of like, please win this game by double digits. It just need a game like this. You need a game where you just win comfortably. And they did. So, yeah. But I, I you can you can attest to this. I was pretty confident going in that the, the Giants were bad and they would not win this game. I definitely wasn't confident in the Saints win, and I definitely didn't think that the they would cover. Hell no. And they deal with Vegas knows what they're doing, apparently. Um, Danny Tio forces this was Carr's best game. As a yeah, probably agree with that. Well, I mean, he was pretty good against the Colts. I think he yeah, threw for some sure. More yards. 
but I think from an efficiency perspective, like he had a turnover in that game. It was a fumble. It wasn't really, it wasn't, you know, it's like, you know, the, the protection broke down, but yeah, I mean, probably from start to finish in terms of like, this was a Drew Brees like game. And I don't throw that out. No, you know, I know what you mean because of the accuracy, the, the, the efficiency completion percentage, and then spreading out the wealth to everybody. It was, it, that's why a little, it still felt like Pete's hand there because it felt like old days there. That's I don't. That's why I'm not so sure if it was you know a change in play calling or did, did Pete dip way 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 back into the crates. Well, and I say that well, so no, because I say that in the sense of like like a 2018 Drew Brees type game, like not the dynamic 5,000 yard passer Drew Brees, <laughs> but like like the efficient. We're gonna win this game by double digits, and I'm gonna just complete all my passes like the Colts game, right? Like the the where he like set a record for completion percentage or whatever, right? Um, like that type of game, like that the 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 this the stretch of games. Like if you played like this for an extended period of time, you would win between 12 and 14 games every year because that's what Drew did for four seasons in a row, playing exactly like Derek played today. Um, now again, like I said, I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive down the field, but like, if this, if that's your baseline, this team is way better than, than it's, than it's been for a majority of the season. And part of it, it's like, yeah, he's a new quarterback. Like this is his first year in the system. I think everyone kind of like just passes that idea off as if like, wow, whatever, but like that, it does take time. And so I'd like to think that this is a sign that he's getting more comfortable and you'll have more days like this. Maybe I'm wrong, but. You know, I think there's this idea that he should be perfect from day one, and that was never realistic. Mithra Pai, do you all think Chris Olave will play Thursday night? I do. I do. Because he was close today. And I, will he be 100%? Like, I think the question is, how effective will he be? And, like, is he still feeling the lingering effects of that injury? But keep in mind, after that game, you have 10 days off. So if it's a matter of him kind of gritting through something – I think you're way more likely to see it in that game than you were in this game, knowing that you probably, if you played him today, you probably lose him on Thursday. If I'm fortunate enough to make it into the next round of the fantasy playoffs, please, Chris, come back. We need you and miss you. It was tough to have you on the bench today. I know he cares about PBM. my fantasy team above all. Yeah, I've kind of given up on my fantasy teams. Um, <laughs> I think I'm in a, like a sixth way tie for fourth place in one league, and I'm not going to make the playoffs because only four teams make the playoffs. Um, PBM wow. eighty two sixty four. I was sporting my car jersey and pulling for my QB today in the dome. Yeah, I think one thing that I was happy about as that game kind of went on because, like, I get it. I get the Derek Card frustration, and I get the booze. Like, I think some of them are unfair, but whatever. I was happy to see that the fans responded to what was objectively a very good day for the quarterback. Not every drive is going to end in a touchdown, right? But that doesn't mean the quarterback had a bad day. Sometimes it's a penalty. Sometimes it's this and that. Like, he wasn't perfect. But I think that I was happy to see the crowd kind of embraced that, the day and that performance in terms of like, yeah, it was a great day on offense. It was a great day overall. And it wasn't like, oh, you punted in the third quarter up 10 points. And it's like, we're going to boo. You know, like, uh, like if that's, I think that the, the crowd today was very, the energy was very good. It was not the, it was not like a toxic energy. Like, I think there was kind of in that Lions game a little bit. And so like, I'm happy about that. Like, I, I enjoy when people have a good time. 
I don't think Jimmy Buffett. I am curious. Do you do you think the Jimmy Buffett thing works? I'm not sure the Jimmy Buffett thing works. Um, I might have missed. What, what is the Jimmy Buffett thing? Oh, you weren't there, yeah. Uh, so between the third and fourth quarters, randomly they decided to play Margaritaville, and they did it in week one, and it was like because Jimmy Buffett died. Yeah, and it was like a tribute to Jimmy Buffett. But I think they're trying to make it into like the, you know, kind of you know like the, you know, like a, 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 like Florida Gators games they play. You know um, the Tom Petty song, uh, not free falling, but uh, back, back, back down. down. Yeah, and like, but the energy there is like super. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Or like at Alabama games, they play. Uh, you know, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the song, but like you, you get it. Like they, they have all these. No, 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 no. They play. Um, I can't recall, but it's like everyone gets hyped. It's the hype song. It's like you're getting into it for the fourth quarter. It gets the crowd all jazzed up to like yell and scream and be crazy. Margaritaville just doesn't work for them. Uh, makes um, me maybe want to kick back one or two, but that's about it. Right, and so I'm just I'm not sure I I'm not sure I buy it. Um, you need like I, a uh, some kind of techno upbeat. I don't know something that gets you moving. Well, like they they had Chapa style, and that's feels like it's kind of fallen off. Uh, like I don't, I don't know if I if I buy if you can keep bringing Chapa style back. Although people still get hyped for Chapa style. Wait, didn't we have um, Ying Yang twins were in the house? They were. We they got to come back every week and get crunk. Stand up and get crunk. That one will never it go won't away. Go away. You can't. You can't deny. Pammy Whammy here. So we were talking about whether the Saints fans hate the Rams, and Pammy Whammy says. They like me, but they hate LA. So I guess there is some lingering resentment for. But is it LA or is it the Rams? Like, do you just hate the idea of LA, or do you hate the Rams specifically? The, like, I also Rams. hate the Lakers, right? I definitely, yeah, yeah. Like, like LA as a concept, I can get on board with in terms of it's, like it's I don't easy like for that. me to dislike LA with. Um, not even so much LeBron, but AD Davis. And, oh man, right. Davis, man, forget oh. about it. But is it the Rams specifically? Yes, it's it's Rams. That's the helmet, and it's McVeigh's face. There you go, McVeigh. face from yes. Row City D. You heard M three me. There you go, McVeigh has a punchable face. Perfect. There's 82 comments in here, and so I'm going to try to go through them. Lehman Park says, I noticed Jeff smiles when he's upset. Um, when when have I been, when have I been upset? Do I get angry? I don't see I don't feel like I get angry about this stuff. I think that's why people get annoyed because they 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 try to make me angry, but you're just like it's like a you know Teflon over here. Like I'm just No, yeah, we're there's certain things that we're numb to at this point that I don't I don't know if anyone here's gonna make you mad, that's for sure. Michael Mitchell says, I never noticed RC with a call sheet before. And like that to me, I, I can't, re- that's the thing that's bother- bothering me is I can't recall whether he would have held a call sheet. Um, like it's not something that he definitely wouldn't do, but I do think it's interesting. So it's, 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 it's something to look into. Pull my finger. Number one says it's California as a whole that they hate. <laughs> Which is like, it's a pretty big swath of the country. Like, I don't like that. You know, like it's 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 wide. I guess it's tall. It's long. You know, it's, so it's a big area. It's a lot of a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of ground to cover. I haven't spent enough time, but I also don't have the money to spend the time out there. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we will be out there on Thursday, and I'm gonna hang around. That should be fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find one more good comment, and then we'll get out of here. And when I say good, I just mean not living park. So it was t- 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 today was like the Tano slash tight end game. Yeah, the tight Tanos. So here, here we go. Okay, so Meath Price says winning on the road on Thursday night is hard as hell. And yeah, I think that's a good question. How do you feel about that game? Let's let's close on that because I feel like yes, it's a tough game to win, but I feel a lot better about it going in on the two game win streak, right? And I'm happy to know. I know that um, Aaron Donald is dealing with, I think, a groin issue, right? So human being, Steve. Uh, it's it's someone that can inflict a lot of pain on the team that I'm hoping wins. So he broke your brief thumb that one time. Yeah, um, he's, he's definitely I, that someone that can be that that constant nuisance that would be a problem for us. Obviously, I I like the idea that it's Matt Stafford. And not like if you if I, if I had a must win game and it's like Lamar Jackson that I have to go out and face, I, I don't feel good. I, I like Stafford right? as a quarterback. I like Stafford as a quarterback too, but for a team that struggles to put it lightly against quarterbacks that are going to run around, I would much prefer to have the quarterback who's not going to run around. And this isn't the Lions where they have the best run game in football. They can run the ball. Kyron, Kyron Williams has been good but they're not going to plow it down your throat the way the 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 lions did. Right. And uh, you know, I think if uh, hopefully in this kind of what I'm alluding to here with the pass rush, right. If the pass rush can continue to, to get home and make life miserable on a quarterback, then at least you know where he's going to be, you know? And so for a matchup, if I'm going into a game, a must win game, that's difficult. I got to go on the road on a short week, I think you 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 would much prefer it to be a pocket bound quarterback, right? Like, like if this is like a Joe Flacco or a Matt Stafford or whatever, I feel good about it. Um, so that's my that's my kind of glass half full look of like if you can get to Matt Stafford, you can get him down. He's not dodging anybody. Yeah, for me, I just for me the name Stafford, Kyron Williams, uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. It's that's it's a lot, and it's definitely a huge challenge. I'm not saying it's not winnable. But it's just scary to think short week on the road, left coast, you know, that that travel time. I, I'm curious if the Saints end up leaving Tuesday or is it going to be Wednesday? I just don't like the matchup as a whole either just because just Sean McVay, I feel, is uh, a, a coach that will end up outdoing what the Saints are capable of thinking on offense. I do – I know the guy, I don't want to call him the offensive mastermind, but um, I know he's going to come up with something pretty damn good to to go against DA kind of thing. We'll see. Cooper Cooper Nakua and Puka Cup can uh, get the job done. Right. That That's just a deadly duo, Dude, man. That's, that's brutal. Names. I don't even know who their tight end, though, is right now. Higby? I think it's Gerald Everett. I don't think it's Everett. anybody that scary. I don't know. We'll see. Either way, we'll get it done. We'll have, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this. We'll probably do the midweek. Oh, we won't have Tuesday. plenty of time. It's a short week. That's a good point. <laughs> but we'll probably do the midweek episode on Tuesday. Either way, thanks everyone for hanging out. We are going to close this sucker down. Thanks everyone for hanging out. Everyone for listening. Uh, this is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. If you haven't 
uh, you know, left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel at WWL Sports. Check out WWL.com for latest news notes and analysis. And otherwise, be easy, y'all. Who dat? Go Saints. Let's go for three in a row. You got it. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.